York. This is Democracy Now! Today, based on information developed by that investigation, a Fulton County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment, charging 19 individuals with violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. For the fourth time in four months, a grand jury's indicted former President Donald Trump. The indictment stems from a sweeping investigation by Fulton County Prosecutor Fannie Willis in Georgia. is built around Georgia's RICO law, which is often used to go after organized crime. We'll go to Atlanta to speak with veteran journalist Michael Isakoff, who's writing a book on the Georgia case, and get a response from Latasha Brown, co-founder of the Black Voters Matter Fund. We'll also speak with longtime consumer advocate and former presidential candidate Ralph Nader, who says special counsel Jack Smith's January 6th indictment of Trump should include insurrection. It's important to say also that all presidents violate laws. He's just taking it to a new and diverse height. But he's doing it so brazenly that if he gets away with it, he will continue to contribute to the institutionalization of lawlessness by presidents of the United States. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. A grand jury in Georgia's indicted Donald Trump and 18 others, charging them with organizing a criminal enterprise to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia. Trump faces a total of 13 counts in the indictment. Others indicted include former White House chief of staff Mark Meadows, several of Trump's attorneys, including Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis, as well as former Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark. This marks Donald Trump's fourth indictment in just over four months. The 41 felony count indictment is built around Georgia's RICO law, which is often used to go after organized crime. This is Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. Every individual charged in the indictment is charged with one count of violating Georgia's Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act through participation in a criminal enterprise in Fulton County, Georgia, and elsewhere to accomplish the illegal goal of allowing Donald J. Trump to seize the presidential term of office beginning on January 20th, 21. D.A. Willis opened the probe after Trump pressured Georgia's Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger in January 2021 to, quote, find 11,780 votes that was the margin Trump would have needed to defeat Joe Biden in Georgia. Part of the charges stem from a breach of voting machines in Coffee County, about 200 miles from Atlanta. The indictment alleges the criminal enterprise operated in other states, including Michigan, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Nevada and New Mexico. Fonnie Willis has given Trump and his co-defendants until August 25th to turn themselves in. This all comes as Trump is the Republican frontrunner in the 2024 presidential race. We'll have more on the story after headlines. In Hawaii. 
The death toll from the Maui fires has reached 99, expected to climb significantly as 1,300 people remain unaccounted for. Crews have searched for bodies in only about 25 percent of the devastated area. It's the already deadliest wildfire in the United States in over a century. Hawaii Governor Josh Green spoke Monday. As I shared earlier, the scale of destruction is incredible. So our hearts are broken even a little bit more than when we were together uh, 48 hours ago with the extra fatalities. Also, you know that we're well over 2,200 structures that have been destroyed. 86 percent of them are residential. In a landmark climate case, a Montana judge has ruled in favor of a group of young people who've sued the state for violating their constitutional rights as it pushed policies that encourage the use of fossil fuels. In her decision, Montana Judge Kathy Seeley wrote, quote, plaintiffs have a fundamental constitutional right to a clean and healthful environment, which includes climate. The judge went on to rule, quote, Montana's emissions and climate change have been proven to be a substantial factor in causing climate impacts to Montana's environment and harm and injury, unquote. The case was brought by 16 children and young adults, ranging from 5 to 22 years of age. One of the plaintiffs, 19-year-old Grace Gibson Snyder, recently appeared on Democracy Now! and talked about Glacier National Park in Montana. Watching those glaciers melt is such a, you know, devastating thing because it's it's so iconic for the state. It's so essential for the well-being of the people and of the environment here. And it's just beautiful. And I would hate to be a part of a future where that's not present, where that's not a thing that my kids get to grow up with. And so, you know, those are my impacts. And, and the plaintiffs in the case um, have, you know, everything from respiratory illnesses that are exacerbated by climate change to uh, a cattle ranch where the cattle are dying because of drought and famine and et cetera. And so it's been we all have experiences in different capacities. The Montana ruling came on the same day that NASA confirmed last month was the warmest July ever recorded on Earth. Sarah Kupnick is NOA's chief scientist. And it was the warmest July by a long shot, specifically by more than a third of a degree Fahrenheit. That may not sound like a lot, but the margin for most global records is on the order of a hundredth of a degree or two. So last month was way, way warmer than anything we've ever seen. In other climate news, more than 50 people have died in northern India after heavy rainfall caused devastating landslides. At least nine of the deaths occurred when a temple collapsed in the city of Shimla. In Ecuador, another political leader has been assassinated. Less than a week after the assassination of presidential candidate Fernando Villa Vicencio, and just days before Ecuadorans head to the polls this Sunday. Pedro Briones was fatally shot in the northern province of Esmeraldas. He was a local leader of the citizen revolution movement, the party of progressive presidential frontrunner Luisa González and former president Rafael Correa. González blamed the soaring wave of violence in Ecuador on President Guillermo Lasso, who dissolved Congress in May to avoid impeachment proceedings. González wrote on social media, quote, Ecuador is living its bloodiest moment. We owe this to the total abandonment of an inept government and a state taken over by mafias.
At least 26 people died in the Amhara region of Ethiopia in a military airstrike Sunday. Eyewitnesses said the airstrike wounded at least 55 people. Ethiopia's government declared a six-month state of emergency in the Amhara region August 4th after clashes intensified between regional groups and the Ethiopian military. There are reports of hundreds, possibly thousands, of arrests in the region since the emergency rule began. The government of the Russian Republic of Dagestan has declared a day of mourning after at least 35 people were killed and 100 injured by a massive explosion at a gas station. At least three of the dead were children. Russian authorities have begun a criminal investigation. In the occupied West Bank, Israeli forces killed two Palestinians earlier today in a raid on a refugee camp near the city of Jericho. One of the dead was identified as 16-year-old Kusai al-Walaji. He's at least the 41st child killed by Israeli forces this year. Meanwhile, the Israeli newspaper Haaretz is reporting a Palestinian family evicted from their home in occupied East Jerusalem has been ordered to pay around $13,000 to the Israeli police and Israeli settlers to cover the costs of their own eviction. Monday marked the 10th anniversary of the Rabah massacre when Egyptian forces opened fire on a sit-in where tens of thousands of people had camped out in Cairo to protest the ouster of Egypt's first democratically elected president, Mohamed Morsi. Human Rights Watch estimates over 900 protesters were killed in what the group has described as, quote, the worst single-day killing of protesters in modern history. No one's been held responsible over the past decade. The minister of defense at the time was Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, whose ruled Egypt for nearly a decade and is a close U.S. ally. Under al-Sisi, Egypt is now jailing about 60,000 political prisoners. This is the Egyptian human rights activist Hossam Bagat. What we are demanding right now is accountability. Individual responsibility must be assigned. And we believe and we have learned from the experiences of other countries around the world that also live under military dictatorship, that the time for justice and the time for accountability will come. A warning to our audience. The following story is graphic descriptions of police violence. In Mississippi, six former police officers who called themselves the Goon Squad have pleaded guilty to state charges after they raided a home and tortured two black men. On January 24th, the officers burst into a home, then beat, handcuffed, waterboarded, sexually violated and tasered the two men, Michael Corey Jenkins and Eddie Terrell Parker. They sexually abused them with a sex device while shouting racial slurs. One of the officers put a gun in Jenkins' mouth for a mock execution and pulled the trigger. The bullet lacerated Jenkins' tongue, broke his jaw and exited through his neck. The officers then planted drugs at the scene in an attempt to cover up their act. The officers have also pleaded guilty to federal charges. Visit democracynow.org to see our recent interview with the victims, Michael Corey Jenkins and Eddie Terrell Parker. Some of the officers face life in prison. In Nebraska, a judge has upheld a new statewide ban on abortion after 12 weeks and a ban on gender-affirming care for minors. Ruth Richardson, the CEO of Planned Parenthood North Central States, decried the ruling, saying it was a, quote, devastating blow to Nebraskans' fundamental right to make what should be private decisions between them and their doctors, unquote. The number of unhoused people in the United States has jumped 11 percent over the past year, the largest increase in at least 15 years. This according to a tally by The Wall Street Journal. 
rising housing costs and the cancellation of COVID-19 relief funds have helped fuel a rise in people unable to find or afford housing. And The Washington Post has revealed the Smithsonian Institution holds a so-called racial brain collection that contains 254 brains gathered in the first half of the 20th century at the behest of a racist anthropologist who was trying to scientifically prove the superiority of white people. An investigation by The Washington Post found most of the brains in the Smithsonian collection were removed from dead black and indigenous people and other people of color, often taken without consent from their families. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. For the fourth time in just over four months, a grand jury has indicted former President Donald Trump as he continues to campaign as the Republican frontrunner in the 2024 presidential race. This is the second time he's been charged with trying to interfere with the 2020 election in the last two weeks. This time, a Georgia grand jury indicted Trump and 18 of his allies, stemming from Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis's investigation into their attempt to overturn the 2020 election in Georgia. D.A. Willis announced the indictment Monday after 1130 Eastern time at a press conference in Atlanta about two hours after it was handed to the judge. Today, based on information developed by that investigation, a Fulton County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment, charging 19 individuals with violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. The indictment includes 41 felony counts and is 97 pages long. Please remember that everyone charged in this bill of indictment is presumed innocent. Specifically, the indictment brings felony charges against Donald John Trump, Rudolph William Lewis Giuliani, John Charles Eastman, Mark Randall Meadows, John Cheeseboro, Jeffrey Clark. Every individual charged in the indictment is charged with one count of violating Georgia's Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act through participation in a criminal enterprise in Fulton County, Georgia, and elsewhere to accomplish the illegal goal of allowing Donald J. Trump to seize the presidential term of office beginning on January 20th, 21. Specifically, the participants in association took various actions in Georgia and elsewhere to block the counting of the votes of the presidential electors who were certified as the winners of Georgia's 2020 general election. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis announced that arrest warrants have been issued for Donald Trump and his 18 co-defendants and gave them until August 25th to voluntarily surrender. 
She said she plans to try all of them together in proceedings she hopes to begin within the next six months. Earlier Monday, a document listing criminal charges to be brought against Trump was briefly posted to the Fulton County Clerk's Office website before the grand jury's decision. Trump used the apparent error to claim the system's rigged against him. As Trump struggles with legal fees, he urged supporters in a fundraising email to, quote, never surrender. The special grand jury in this case heard testimony from 75 witnesses, along with other evidence. One of the most notorious moments in the pressure campaign Trump and his allies conducted on Georgia officials was a phone call in which Trump asked Georgia's Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find the votes he needed to overturn Joe Biden's victory in the state. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find— Eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty votes, which is one more than we have because we won the state. D.A. Willis opened her probe after this call. Part of the charges also stem from a breach of voting machines in Coffee County, about 200 miles from Atlanta. The indictment alleges the criminal enterprise operated in other states, including Michigan, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Nevada and New Mexico. Fannie Willis has given Trump and his co-defendants until August 25th to turn themselves in. For more, we're joined by Michael Lisikoff, veteran investigative journalist, writing a book on the Georgia investigation. He was in Atlanta in the courtroom when the indictment was announced. Welcome back to Democracy Now!, Michael. Can you first respond to what has taken place as history was being made? Talk about the significance of these charges at the state level, something that President Trump, if he were to become president again, could not pardon himself for. Right. I mean, it was quite a night. And this is a sprawling indictment in many ways, much more comprehensive than the recent indictment brought by special counsel Jack Smith. It tells the whole story of what took place uh, during after the 2020 election. And it really zeroes in on multiple fronts, the fake elector meetings, the pressure on election officials such as Brad Raffensperger. Uh, the false testimony that uh, uh, Trump's surrogates made to the Georgia legislature. But probably the, the part that I think will leap out most and, and, and perhaps hit the public in the strongest way is the intimidation of election workers. Uh, Ruby Freeman, the uh, Fulton County election worker who was targeted by Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump himself in that phone call to Brad Raffensperger, um, terrorized, forced to leave her home at the recommendation of the FBI. And the um, the indictment lays out how um, Trump's surrogates like went to her home in an effort to intimidate her and get her to confess lest she be facing um, uh, criminal charges herself. Um, it's a really powerful story, and it's a personal story. And I think that in that way, this indictment is going to connect to people uh, that goes beyond the other ones that have already been brought against Donald Trump. And talk about this issue of conspiracy, of using RICO, which is more often than not used to go after the mob. And what you see in this 98-page indictment is Donald Trump's direct involvement. 
Absolutely. And, you know, look, uh, the use of RICO is is something that Fonnie Willis has used frequently as um, as a, a prosecutor, uh, as a deputy DA and as DA herself. Um, it is uh, an expand. Georgia's version of RICO is actually more expansive than the federal RICO statute, which, of course, was passed back in 1970, the Nixon era, to go after uh the mafia. Um, it's now frequently used in white collar cases um, and, and other criminal cases. Um, but it is um, uh, one thing that leapt out in uh, Fonnie Willis's brief press conference uh, yesterday, uh, uh, last night, she was asked, um, could uh, people convicted under this RICO uh, uh, statute get uh, probation? And she said, no, (laughs) they cannot. Um, The the penalties for a RICO violation are five years to 20 years in a Georgia penitentiary. So uh, uh, that is is something that I think a lot of people are going to try to get their heads around. I mean, Michael, this is very this. this is very significant. There are mandatory minimums here. Uh, that yeah, so many yeah. have faced in the past. That means a judge has no discretion. Um, uh, to go yeah, higher, I mean, yes, look, but they can't n- not put them in jail. Um, that's what Fonnie Willis told the press last night. And, um, uh, you know, that raises a whole host of questions when the lead defendant is Donald Trump. Just a couple of other, you know, ironies to the use of Rico. Rudy Giuliani. Um, former U.S. attorney uh, before he was New York City mayor, used Rico to go after the mob. And, you know, people will note he's now being hoisted on his own petard. The law, a, a version of the law that he pioneered in, in going after mobsters is now being used against him. Mark Meadows, White House chief of staff. When's the last time a White House chief of staff was indicted? You'd have to go back to H.R. Haldeman during the Nixon era. Right. Um, so uh, you look at the, the range of defendants here. Uh, it, David Schaefer, the chairman of the Georgia Republican Party, Jeff Clark, the Justice Department lawyer who Donald Trump wanted to install as the acting attorney general to further his goal of um, uh, of staying uh, president. Um, it's, it's really breathtaking in, in, in a lot of ways. Let's talk about Coffee County, about 200 miles from Atlanta for a moment, uh, because Absolutely. you have Scott Hall tied to the Coffee County election system breach, Misty Hampton tied, to, uh, who is the Coffee County election supervisor. Um, also, of course, Sidney Powell, Trump campaign lawyer, all related to this story. And talk about the revelation that just came out around an actual breach of electoral machine and why this is so significant in this case, Michael. Yes. In the indictment, Fonnie Willis uh, calls what happened at uh, Coffee County a case of computer theft. Um, and this was an operation that actually took place um, after January 6th. Uh, and um, is still determined to try to find some way 
somehow Trump's team believed that if they could get access inside uh, the election to the software, inside Dominion election machines, they could find the fraud that Sidney Powell had talked about. The Venezuelan socialist Chinese communists were manipulating the vote somehow uh, if they could just get inside those Dominion machines. The problem is that that software and all the election data was protected, was in fact, there were instructions to all election officials in Georgia. They may not release publicly disclose this that data. It was sensitive election technology, proprietary, could not be publicly released. What they did is they found a few Trump friendly officials at the local official who, quote, invited them in, which they had no authority to do. And they spent a full day in uh, in Coffee County copying, imaging that data that they had no right to. As I said, computer theft, computer trespass. And it's a key part of this indictment. And in the indictment, if you read it, they can link this, uh, you know, up the chain, uh, including to people like David Schaefer, the chairman of the Georgia uh, Georgia Republican Party, who was in touch with Scott Hall um, uh, on the eve and during the day that they were breaking in to this uh, election office. And talk about the fact that there are arrest warrants issued, as opposed to summons in other of the cases around President Trump, where they negotiate everything, you know, the time of his surrender, everything. Arrest warrant, if he doesn't show up by the 25th, he is thrown in jail, and the others are, too. What about the significance of this? Also, uh, you know, them saying in Georgia, yep, there's going to be mug shots, et cetera. Yeah, Um, it's going to be really fascinating to watch over the next uh, uh, two weeks uh, for that August 25th date. Does everybody show up? Um, If not, um, uh, there will have to be efforts at extradition to return the uh, defendants to Fulton County for um, uh, for criminal processing. I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, uh, Donald Trump has shown up in, in the case of the federal indictments and in the case of the New York City indictment by Alvin Bragg. Um, uh, if this one, this one has got to stick in his craw, as it were, uh, more than any of the others. Um, uh, this was he was he was obsessed with Georgia. And now to have to show up at the Fulton County Jail where defendants are prosecuted. Um, And also uh, one other factor to watch here is negotiation of a bond, Um, because uh, under Georgia law, there's not uh, a lot of uh, if if a defendant is deemed to be at risk of not just a flight, but of intimidating witnesses, um, they're not eligible for a bond. So we'll see. Uh, We don't know who the judge is going to be yet, but that judge is going to have um, uh, a very interesting process to deal with Donald Trump. And what is the bond set at? Um, uh, Fonnie Willis has set out uh, bonds in the past on RICO cases for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, uh, this one uh, is a much bigger case in a lot of ways. Um, so I think there's going to be quite a bit of back and forth about the bond that uh, Donald Trump would have to post in order to secure his freedom. 
Finally, you're writing a book on this. What most surprised you last night at midnight? I think the news conference started at 1137. Yeah. Um, yeah. What most surprised you? You've been digging into Wait. this for a while now. Just the, the the sweeping nature of the indictment, the way the indictment ties all these multiple players to a common conspiracy. Um, and I got to say, you played the clip at, at the start, the way Fonnie Willis chose her words, saying this was a conspiracy to allow Donald Trump to seize power, to seize the presidency. Really interesting word uh, that gave a, a a sense of how the prosecutors here are uh, viewing what took place. Now, look, um, he's got Donald Trump has uh, some pretty powerful defense lawyers. They're going to be attacking this. Drew Finling is his lead lawyer, the billion dollar lawyer who's made a name for himself representing rap stars. He's a very experienced defense lawyer. Um, there's, uh, you know, so. We got to, you know, hold back and watch and see how this plays out. But as I said, in terms of the sweeping nature of this, um, it is really um, uh, something we haven't seen before in 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 all our coverage of uh, the 2020 uh, election aftermath. And um, I think it's going to get a lot more interesting. Michael Isikoff, veteran investigative journalist, writing a book on the Georgia investigation. When we come back, we will talk with the head of the Black, uh, La the Black Voters Matter Fund and then to Ralph Nader. Stay with us. The Whole World by Atlanta Rappers Outcast. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. We continue our coverage of the Georgia grand jury's decision to indict former President Donald Trump and 18 of his allies stemming from the sweeping investigation by Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis into their attempt to overturn the 2020 election in Georgia. The fourth time in just over four months, a grand jury's indicted Trump as he runs for president again. It comes after former President Donald Trump pleaded not guilty in another case of trying to overturn the results of his 2020 election loss. Earlier um, this month, uh, Trump appeared before a magistrate judge in Washington's federal courthouse two days after he was indicted. A key part of the election interference charges Trump faces relates to a Civil War-era rights law that protects the right of citizens to have their vote counted. 
For all, more on all of this, we go to Atlanta, where we're joined by Latasha Brown, co-founder of the Black Voters Matter Fund. After news of Trump's indictment in Georgia, Brown said on social media, we told you all that Georgia was going to handle Trump. This is what happens when you come for us. We return the energy, Latasha Brown says. Well, welcome back to Democracy Now!, Latasha Brown. If you can talk about the significance of what has taken place in your county, in your city, in the capital, Atlanta. Thank you, Amy, for having me. But I do think that this is a great step forward for voters of Georgia, that fundamentally at the core of this, that voters in Georgia were being disenfranchised. There was an attempt to disenfranchise voters in the state of Georgia. And I think what's really interesting in this story is that part of what has brought this about has been voters and what I call def democracy defenders who have literally leaned in having the courage to actually call this to account and call Trump and his cronies into account. You know, this... Uh, uh, of what was catalytic in this whole investigation was voters who led in Coffee County and said, hey, something is wrong. Something is wrong with this count. The count initially came up um, they, 50, 50, 50 votes off. And then there was another vote. And they said, oh, no, 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 something's wrong with the machine. But that was because there were voters who were literally making sure that they, their votes were going to get counted and make sure that there was no funny business happening. And so as a result, what you saw is democracy defenders saying, no, 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 something is wrong that they actually raised alarm in the red flags. We also see um, uh, Fannie Willis, who actually has had the courage. This is someone who has demonstrated the courage to go after um, Trump and the other 18 defendants, quite frankly, because they have tried to overthrow an election, which would disenfranchise millions of voters in the state of Georgia. And so what we're, we're happy to, that she's had the courage to lean into that, even though she's been a target of, of attacks. We've seen Trump, even in his recent campaign, at attack her um, to put vicious lies, but also to try to put a focus on attacking her because that's what he does. He does the art of chaos and the art of distraction that he makes an enemy of someone or the appearance of an enemy of someone so that he doesn't have to be accountable for his own actions. In addition to that, we know the story of the election workers that I think we see in this indictment as well, which was Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss and her daughter. That here you have two women that were simply doing their job that have endured all kinds of attacks because they were simply doing their job and Trump and Giuliani targeted them out. And so I think this is a real step forward around how do we build a multiracial, strong, representative democracy. We have to defend making sure that we're defending the democratic practices. And we have to have democracy defenders that are on the front line saying we're going to make sure that we have elections that have integrity and the elections that every single vote is counted. And those that seek to actually undermine that will be held to account. Latasha Brown, I want to turn to Ruby Freeman. Uh, going back to the January 6th hearing, um, uh, the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol hearing, state and local officials described threats and harassment they faced from Trump uh, and his campaign to overturn the election. Among them was who you just referenced, the black election worker and her mother in Georgia, whose lives were forever changed when Trump and Rudy Giuliani claimed the women helped to rig the vote when he lost their state. This is Ruby Freeman, the mom. There is nowhere I feel safe. Nowhere. Do you know how it feels to have the President of the United States to target you? The President of the United States is supposed to represent every American. 
not to target one, but he targeted me. So that's Ruby Freeman. Let's get to the core of this, Latasha Brown. She was an election worker, as was her daughter. This is about voting. Georgia is historic for the fight for the vote for each and every person. One of the people who have been indicted in this 19-person indictment is Trevian Kuti. Uh, Trevian Kuti was the publicist tied to the intimidation of the women. Describe what happened and why this is so significant and historic and fundamental to U.S. democracy. You know, Ms. Freeman says that people came to her house, that they came to her house and asked her to actually make a statement that was not true, to say that there was something wrong with the, the election. She has been harassed. She can't go and shop. She and her daughter, she's actually experienced all kinds of traumatic um, experiences because of being b- because of being targeted. You know, I think it's really interesting that one of the consistent things that Trump does while he does go after his uh, his opponents, he's vicious with women. We've seen that all across the board, that he is actually zoned in on being very vicious with women. And what we've seen is we've seen a recent wave of attacks, particularly targeted at black women. If I look from 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 Bonnie uh, Willis to um, Ruby and her and her daughter, that there has been an attack that he has always waged against. How do you under unpin um, and really use intimidation as a factor to get what it is that you want. And so we have to really recognize that these are workers. This is an election worker that was simply doing her job to make sure to maintain the integrity of the election, that this is what I call a democracy defender, someone we should be lifting up. But instead, her life has been forever changed because this man and these other conspirators literally went through extraordinary lengths to be able to intimidate and to box her and to undermine her credibility in the community. And I mean, to be clear, um, Trump mentioned Ruby Freeman 18 times That's right. during his call with the Georgia Secretary of State Raffensperger. Yes, she's had to have security. She is afraid to let stay in her home, that it made a target. And he knows that, you know, part of what I think he has done and look at the playbook. This is the playbook that he has always used. This is a playbook that you sh- you shoot the dis- distraction. You create a distraction. Right. He's the art of chaos. Chaos is the point and literally target this particular person. And it's almost like he's six. Um, folks on say, this is the person who's who's wronged me. And as a result, this woman's life has been completely shifted and she feels unsafe. She says that she can't even sleep at night because of how many threats that she and her daughter have both received. Okay, we have to tell some secrets out of school here. Uh, You were part of the Beehive last night. You were at the Beyonce concert. She has been singing to massive audiences for three (laughs) nights uh, in Atlanta. Uh, Right. Our team was texting you as you were right there and you were putting out pictures of yourself and your friends. But I actually wanted to know, was there any response there to what was taking place just down the road? You know, we were at the height. It was almost ending the con- um, uh, the, the concert. And let me just say that, I mean, I am I'm a, I'm a political wonk. So my phone was blowing up. I was getting all and I had been watching it. But let me say we were at the we were at the high high point of um, of the concert where Beyonce was riding a horse and flying in the air and people were having a wonderful, beautiful time. What I saw in Georgia last night, that's the Georgia that I desire and I deserve that I saw so many people really stand in a space of joy and happiness. And we had a good time. (laughs) And what about President Trump coming to campaign in Georgia, in your state? 
the state he said he won, which is the state, of course, that he lost against President Biden. Uh, what how will he be received? Because it's the Republican leadership that took him on in Georgia. Yeah, I think that's part of the. I do think there has been Republican leadership that took him on to some extent, right? Because they they saw him as a threat for I think some of the um, because we have we do have moderate Republicans in the state. But let's be honest, there were also other um, voters who were really sick and tired. There were independent voters and other voters who were sick and tired of the chaos. And so I don't think that this was just around the Republicans showing showing um, um, some heart because the truth of the matter is they have been very bad with voter suppression themselves. They found legal ways um, to really be able to actually disenfranchise people. And I think that that's what the distinction was, right? So they're by far not heroes, in my opinion, right? Because they have undermined this process in many, many ways. I think he went a bridge too far. And so what you saw is you saw them separate themselves from him. So I think he's going to have a hard road in Georgia. We saw that in the last election. And I think it's only getting worse. And the issue that um, the Trump supporters are raising constantly, aside from Hunter Biden, um, is that this is like one of the bluest counties in the state of Georgia, which has many red counties. So, of course, this is where it's brought. But let's be clear about Fulton County and the D.A., uh, Fonnie Willis, the D.A. of Fulton County. This is where all of the alleged crimes took place that she is charging them with, right? Didn't she famously say she wished this wasn't in her county, so she didn't have to do this? Um, but the call with Raffensperger, who is there in Atlanta, um, uh, and you can take it from there. Oh, absolutely. The crime, you, it's, you, you, he did the crime. That at the end of the day, there is an assumption that what happened in Georgia, most of the activity was really rooted in Fulton County. That's where the capital is. That's where the majority of votes in the states are. He knew that, you know, when he called Reppin's Perjur, because uh, he knew that he knew what he was asking. He knew what he was asking around where, where can I find these votes? And this is where the activity took place. I think it's really ironic, you know, that what he did is he targeted while he targeted this area. This is the area that's going to call him account. And then let's not disconnect that of what we've seen him do in other places where, and from Michigan. Again, um, what we saw in Michigan, what we saw in Wisconsin, was what we saw in Georgia, that there was this call that in many ways that what you saw those counties, particularly that had sizable African-American populations and African-American voters, that there was some attempt to some attempt to undermine the process and disenfranchise the voters in that in that area. What the outcome and the result is that it's impacted the disenfranchisement. It could it could have impacted the disenfranchisement of voters in the entire state. But yes, it happened in Fulton County. Fulton County is going to hold him to account. And that issue that he cannot pardon himself in Georgia because these are state crimes. In most states, the governor could pardon him. That's right. But not in Georgia. And this goes back to a decades ago Klan governor who was so mm -hmm. corrupt that he was selling pardons. So the state of Georgia took the pardonability out of his hands and gave it to a pardons and parole board. Can you talk about the significance of this? So even if there was a Republican governor who supported him, that person couldn't pardon Trump. 
You know, if he is convicted in this state, he is going to jail for a minimum of five years. Um, he is going to jail the, and, and the other conspirators um, that are part of this case. The bottom line is there is no pardon process. I think this makes it distinctively different. He's been now indicted in four different courts. And I think what you see here is the inability in Georgia, because it is a part of Georgia statute, the inability for him to be pardoned, um, even a, a, a pardon in this and pardon in the state. And so he is going to he is Georgia. I think has the most texture, I think, of all the cases. I think it's the place that he has the biggest problem, but it's also the place that he was very, very comfortable in committing a crime. He, I, This is a man, let's not re- forget, this is a man that called and said he wanted us to find, he wanted Raffensperger to find him some votes. We all know what that meant. We all know what that means. And so I think it is um, uh, appropriate that this would be the place that he has to face the music that he created. Latasha Brown, uh, co-founder of Black Voters Matter Fund. Can I ask you one last question? Yes. Um, you're saying Trump's going to have to face the music. What's your favorite Beyonce song? Cozy. <laughs> Comfortable well, in my skin. Cozy. Cozy. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being with us. Next up, we Thank speak with me. longtime consumer advocate, former presidential candidate Ralph Nader, who says special counsel Jack Smith's January 6th indictment of Trump should include insurrection. Stay with us. Uh, yeah, I hope you understand. Everybody scams. A little Peter Pan paranoia. Polygram tell the truth. And the bull feed the drought. Couple ops bleeding out real heavy. Cop City ATL kill ready. Indoctrinate people slow. Incentivize money flow. The government got a hold on everything love. What if the love one really don't love love? Diminish the one love we trust. That's us. Anyway, we get it. We go get it for now. You was with it when benefits was added to the account. I could count on you for a favor for a certain amount. Hold me down, hold me down, hold me down, hold me down. Anyway, we get it. We go get it for now. You was with it when benefits was added to the account. I could count on you for a favor for a certain amount. Hold me down, hold me down, hold me down, hold me down. We could scapegoat everything. We could penny pinch the homie for defending the dream. A simpler thing by any means. Hold me down by no name. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. As we're reporting, a Georgia grand jury has voted to indict former President Donald Trump and 18 of his allies stemming from the investigation by Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis into their attempt to overturn the 2020 Georgia election. This is the fourth time in just over four months a grand jury has indicted Trump. In March, Trump became the first former U.S. president to ever be charged with a crime and was arraigned in New York on 34 felonies related to paying hush money to adult film star Stormy Daniels during the 2016 presidential campaign. Then June, Donald Trump becomes the first president to face federal criminal charges as a grand jury in Florida indicts him over the mishandling of classified documents after leaving. Then earlier this month, Donald Trump's indicted on four counts, conspiracy to fraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, tampering with a witness, and conspiracy against the civil rights of citizens, the right of their vote to be counted. The indictment centering on Trump's efforts to stay in office after Joe Biden defeated him in the November election. For more, we're joined by Ralph Nader, longtime consumer advocate, corporate critic, former presidential candidate. Uh, His recent piece for Truth Dig is headlined, Jack Smith is one step short of the full case against Trump. 
So first, Ralph, if you could respond to what took place last night, um, just before midnight in Georgia, the significance of these state charges against Trump and 18 others, these RICO charges. And then let's go back one to Jack Smith and your critique of the charges that he brought. Well, it's the fourth indictment in just a few weeks of Donald Trump in Georgia. It's quite a strong case. They have him on the record calling the Secretary of State to find votes to overturn the state election uh, results in Georgia in the 2020 presidential campaign. Uh, but going back to Jack Smith, we should remember that he, he could be uh, that Trump could be convicted uh, on all these accounts and still run for president and still get elected for president with a minority of voters because of the electoral college atrocity uh, and because the um, Republicans have succeeded in suppressing so many or intimidating so many voters in swing states. So the only criminal prohibition that would disqualify uh, Donald Trump from the ballot is Section 3 of the 14th Amendment called the Insurrection section, and it was made into a criminal violation by the federal code a number of years later. And Section 3 is very clear. It's, it categorically disqualifies from public office at any level of government, any official, who, after taking an oath to support the Constitution of the United States, engages in insurrection against it. And the definition of insurrection fits Donald Trump's uh, multiple behaviors. It means seeking by force, violence, or otherwise to frustrate the ability of the United States to enforce the Constitution and laws. And what is more important than to uh, basically count to judicially certified uh, state electoral votes in the U.S. Congress by the vice president, in this case, Mike Pence? Well, one thing about Trump's being a serial law violator is that he does it day after day. He does it overtly. He does it brazenly. Here's, here's the, the person who said in July 2019, quote, then I have Article 2 where I have the right to do anything I want as president, end quote. He later insisted that the Constitution should be, quote, terminated, end quote, by shouts of massive electric, electoral fraud, which was false. He basically told Trump uh, on January 6th, you have to choose between me, Donald Trump, and the Constitution. So, so in addition to all the federal criminal statutes that he's violated, in addition to obstruction of justice uh, being a way of life in the White House, according to his former special assistant, John Bolton, and obstruction of justice, as we know, is a federal crime, uh, he has flouted the Constitution. And so we're left with uh, Jack Smith bringing three counts, but not bringing the fourth count, an insurrection. He has a huge amount of evidence. The House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol uh, made a criminal referral to the Justice Department 
recommending prosecution of Trump for assisting or aiding the January 6th insurrection. Even more specifically, before that, Amy, when Trump was impeached the second time by the House of Representatives, he was impeached for, among other things, inciting insurrection. A majority in the House voted for it. It was sent to the Senate. A majority voted in the Senate, 57 to 43, but with some Republicans, I might add, but it didn't reach the two-thirds requirement uh, for conviction uh, under the Constitution. So the question is, why did Jack Smith and Merrick Garland omit this? And I'm not sure it was Jack Smith. It, it could have been Merrick Garland overruling Jack Smith. They're, none of them are talking about why they omitted the insurrection count. And uh, I think uh, a speculation is that uh, they, they don't want to go to the next stage and infuriate uh, Trump's uh, supporters and, you know, riots in the streets and all. Uh, Ralph, isn't, isn't some of the criticism um, or the support for not doing insurrection that he wanted an elegant, very simple series of charges that he could— um, uh, where, if he, especially if he is the first case that goes to court, where Donald Trump could conceivably been uh, convicted. And the fact that he only went after Donald Trump himself, I mean, this one is Donald Trump and 18 others, will be will take much longer. What about that, the issue of uh, the elegance and the simplicity of the charges he brought? that could make it more realizable in the near future before he could possibly be elected the next president of the United States. We should, we should remember, Amy, that Trump's lawyers are masters of delay. They already have a Trump uh, nominee for federal court, uh, Judge Aileen Cannon in Florida, putting off the trial until May after the primaries, till May of next year. Already, the trials for... Uh, Jack Smith are, are in December, and they can be moved even more. So we're dealing here with awful delay, and we're dealing with a candidate who can basically create mobs in the streets, uh, threats everywhere as he runs for office, intimidating members of his own party as well as other Americans. So uh, there's nothing more elegant than an insurrection account because the evidence is already there. It's been brought together uh, in great detail by the House Select Committee on January 6th, and it's been brought together by the impeachment proceedings uh, by the House of Representatives in 2021. Uh, we should realize here that... Uh, what uh, Trump is doing is committing assault day by day. When you uh, use the kind of language, violent language, that he uses against individuals named, uh, in effect, with threats of violence, that is a crime itself. You don't have to go to battery. This assault is a crime itself, as he did to the two election workers uh, in uh, in Georgia. But he's been escaping the law all his life. I've often said he could give a seminar in a law school on how he escaped the law as a corporate executive. He escaped the law as president. 
and he's in the process of trying to do it again. He's violated all kinds of federal criminal statutes when he was in president. He used the White House lawn uh, as a open political campaign site. That violates the criminal statute, the Hatch Act, five-year jail term. Uh, if, if you get convicted, he got away with that. He got away with all kinds of obstruction of justice following the Mueller report uh, that came out. He got away with 11 impeachment counts that Nancy Pelosi didn't want to bring. She just brought the Ukraine matter, not exactly a, a table, a kitchen table issue. Uh, and uh, well, you know, let me now ask gonna... you about what he's now been charged with. I mean, he's been uh, so far in these four cases and these four indictments. He's been charged for what he did before he was president, while he was president after he was president. He's been charged where he used to live in New York, where he now lives in Florida, where he worked in Washington, D.C., and now in Georgia. And I wanted to ask you about this uh, comment in The Times, as they did in Manhattan. Trump's lawyers are likely to argue that the Georgia case should be moved to federal court because it concerns acts he took as president and so falls under federal jurisdiction. That argument failed in New York, where the indictment focused on the hush money payment uh, because it happened before he was president. The significance of this coming out of Georgia, Ralph. The significance is all the process delay, constant delay, constant delay into 2024, before the election, after the election. That's why the insurrection count is so important. It's the only one that will prevent him from running for public office. So uh, we uh, we've written on uh, Jack Smith uh, a draft letter, which I hope other lawyers will sign, urging him to go back to the grand jury, as he can do with the approval of Merrick Garland, and add the insurrection account. Add the insurrection count. A superseding indictment. indictment. Yes. And Pardon? what kind of response have you gotten to this? No, this is a draft letter that we're circulating to get lawyers to come on board. The real problem here is that Trump is a soliloquist. He attacks everybody, and, and he knows that the law enforcement people, the prosecutors, cannot respond. And all these other groups in our society that he has menaced and undermined and harmed are keeping quiet. Where, where are the lawyers? Where are the bar associations keeping quiet? Where are the labor unions keeping quiet? Where are the peace groups keeping quiet? Where are the women groups? They, sh they should day after day rebut them. The children's protection groups, the environmental groups, where are the civil rights groups? Once in a while they speak out, but he's on the news every day, and he has to be rebutted every day. Things have deteriorated so much in terms of the rule of law. Amy, that in 2005-2006, the American Bar Association issued three white papers accusing George W. Bush of violating the Constitution during the Iraq War. And now they're silent. The biggest bar association in the world it was supposed to be a first responder against the crushing of the rule of law by a president and an ex-president, and they're silent. So unless these groups speak out. The religious groups have, don't speak out. There's a reason why they're not speaking out, because a minority of their membership are fervid Trump supporters, and they don't want to have that kind of internal turmoil. I was told that by the head of the National Council of Churches a few years ago. We have five Said, seconds, you, Ralph. 
Well, five seconds, I want people to get the Capitol Hill Citizen uh, for a donation of $5 or more to CapitolHillCitizen.com. They can get a 40-page in We're going to have to leave it newspaper. there, CapitolHillCitizen.com. Ralph Nader, former presidential candidate. I'm Amy Goodman. Thanks for joining us.